Welcome to Women in Chemicals, Woman of the Week. I'm Amelia. And I'm Kylie, and we're joined today by Michelle Bovin, Commercial Director at Dow. Thank you, guys. I'm super excited to be here and looking forward to the chat today. Thanks for joining us, Michelle. Today's episode is sponsored by Mission Chemical. Mission Chemical is an up-and-coming specialty chemical distributor and is excited to be partnering with Women in Chemicals. Mission Chemical is a specialty chemical distributor based in Houston, Texas. Mission makes their customers' lives easier by delivering chemical supply chain solutions quickly. Mission prides themselves on being the chosen specialty chemical distribution partner for small specialty chemical companies to large multinational chemical manufacturers and refineries. Their consultative sales approach, A-plus talent, and expansive manufacturing, storage, and laboratory assets have allowed Mission Chemical to become one of the fastest-growing chemical companies in North America for the past three years. Visit www.missionchem.com to check them out. Great. Thanks, Amelia and Michelle. Thanks again for joining us. Um, I'll kick things off and let you please introduce yourself and tell us about um, your background, how you got to your current role, um, and then let's talk through some of those critical decision points along your career journey so far. Excellent. Well, before I get started, again, I um, wanted to pause and just thank you guys for the opportunity to be here. Um, I've learned and I've been inspired so much by the resources and the events that Women's in Chemicals offer. So to me, it's a true honor to be here with y'all. So I am Michelle Bobin. I am the commercial director for Dow's Industrial Solutions Business. I've been at Dow for 23 years um, and I've held a variety of different roles from technical sales and development, research and development, new business development, marketing roles, sales roles, product management, business management, Um, And just had the opportunity to really lead teams in exciting projects, um, including, you know, some roles where I was asked to lead our COVID relief efforts, which was really exciting. And we um, worked with a lot of different companies to go do some interesting things, which I can get into more later, but um, just a a variety of different roles. Um, And then in terms of how did I come about my current role, um, it's really about having a robust um, network, if you will. Dow has a very robust hiring process as well, and it promotes uh, diversity, inclusion, and equity. And it's really given me the opportunity uh, to network and be exposed to different opportunities along the way. So um, using my network and uh, Dow's robust process, I was able to uh, find my current role that I'm in. Great. So Michelle, a little follow up on that. So can you tell us how you entered into Dow and maybe more like educationally what you studied and how your interests might have aligned with Dow when you first joined the company? Okay, absolutely. So I hired into Dow um, straight out of um, college. And actually, if I even back up before that, I co-opted at Dow as a high school co-op. So um, Dow had a pretty interesting program at that time and you could come and co-op at Dow. And so actually when I initially uh, interviewed for the co-op, I interviewed for an admin role and they told me to, why don't I look at the engineering one? So I was like, oh, okay, I'll take a look at it. So I interviewed and um, they gave me the role or I got the role. Um, I interned uh, with Dow uh, through my junior and senior year in high school. Then I went to Michigan Tech. I went to Michigan Tech and I pursued a degree in mechanical engineering. I graduated and came back into Dow full-time and I did 
also co-op through my um, college years as well. Um, oh. I did do one assignment with General Motors as a maintenance supervisor for skilled trades. And then when I hired into Dow, um, I hired into what we call our research assignment program, which is a rotational program that we have um, in Dow. And I was exposed to other functions as well. I had no idea that I could um, go into the commercial organization at that point in time with a mechanical engineering degree. Um, so after um, 10 years in the technical field, I learned that um, there is uh, other uh, functions beyond the uh, research and development. And I, pers I pursued an MBA um, through Northwood University. And then I transferred over to the commercial organization and spent time in marketing and a variety of different roles. So. Very cool. Interesting. I'm sure we'll jump into some of the specifics of that after we kind of jump into some of these other questions. So like you said, Michelle, you've held a, a wide array of different roles, both in technical and outside of technical. And I think that a lot of the conversations that we have with women in chemicals and a lot of the learnings that I've even had personally helped me to gain visibility to the fact, the very fact that you mentioned and that you can have a presence and a career in the chemicals industry outside of that technical space. So maybe we'll jump a little bit into that uh, conversation a little bit later. But uh, the next question I have for you, Michelle, is, you know, with these variety of roles that you've held, what has been your most favorite and least favorite and maybe, you know, most challenging or, or, or whatever your perspective on that is. But let's talk a little bit about some of these specific roles, if that's okay. Sure. I'll start with my most favorite. So my most favorite is business management. Um, so if you think about product management or business management, but I had an opportunity to be what I'd call a many general manager. Um, and the reason I love this role is it's got a lot of um, ambiguousness to it, if you will. Um, you have the ability to really shape how you're going to go do things. You don't tend to get a lot of resources, but um, when you get projects like this or roles like this, um, the path has a little bit been cleared for you in terms of being able to break status quo. And so it's kind of fun where you're not given a role that, you know, people already know how to do it. It's already been done. It, maybe it makes a lot of money or it runs really well. And so in these kind of roles that are more kind of more ambiguous, you have the ability to turn dials, move levers, right? And, and change things and break the status quo. And I, I find that a lot of fun. And I find those opportunities when you get those, take them because you really can grow really quickly in those, um, when, when you have those type of opportunities. So um, things we did, so mine was the COVID relief efforts that I led where I was like that mini general manager and things that would take people years to do. We did in weeks and months and we collaborated with other um, companies like Whirlpool and Volkswagen and so forth. And so we all came together to figure out, you know, how could we commercialize um, pappers or we did, you know, gowns or we did face shields, you name it. And um, we had a laundry list of different things that we were asked if we could go help in terms of contributing to manufacturing and getting um, in, into people's hands to use for COVID relief efforts. So to me, that was probably my favorite role. And just again, because it was so ambiguous. It gave us really a lot of opportunity to shape things and, and figure out how we were going to do it. I, I would tell people, please don't tell me I can't. Please don't tell me no. Let's talk about how we can. So I was looking for that kind of can-do attitude as a team. Mm -hmm. My least favorite was early in my career, I was more of a project manager. And initially, I loved the role because it was fun and you're learning and you're 
building and developing new skill sets. But quickly, all of a sudden, I felt like I was be I was starting to be challenged on how many hours in a day I could work versus being challenged on the content of the skills that I was trying to develop. And so I took a step back and I was able to figure out, okay, what do I really enjoy about my role? What is it that I'm struggling with? And to me, I'm not afraid to work a lot of hours, but I would rather be challenged in terms of skill sets and content so that I personally am growing. And so it had fun pieces to it, but I quickly learned that, um, you know, more the administrative or the like, tasks that you're like, you just keep doing over and over same task. You're not growing from, um, I, I quickly get bored on. Sure. So I've got a question uh, associated with your perspective on your most favorite role, because I think that for me, I love to take a challenge, but there's also, I need to be very transparent with myself and how I process things. This idea of ambiguity sounds like a challenge that I should take on. Right. But there's also this aspect of it that like I'm a little scared of approaching because it's so unknown. So do you think, Michelle, that these are just inert skills that you've always carried with you or are there experiences throughout your career, your education, your life that have made you more comfortable with that mindset and approaching, you know, ambiguity head on and something that's like a motivator for you versus something that would make you shy away from it? So I won't say it was always in love with it. (laughs) Um, Initially, when I was on the technical side of the organization for the first 10 years, I would say there's a lot of, DAO is very process oriented. And so there's a lot of process that kind of guides you through how you do your role. There's very clear roles and definitions. So in terms of roles and responsibility, it's very clear. And so the first time you get that role, that's a little bit ambiguous, it feels uncomfortable. And and Uh you're like, and that first day or week you come to work, you're like, I don't even know what I'm doing. Or you're like, what, what are they paying me for? I'm like, should I tell somebody? I don't really know what to do. <laughs> and like, as soon as you lean in and you're like, okay, I'm going to just go with this. I'm going to, I'm just going to do it. You'd be surprised that you start to fall in love with that space. It, it's just, it's fun. And you really get to be yourself. And like I said, you break status quo and you try new things and um, you know, you do need a little bit of space from a risk perspective because you're going to make mistakes. Nobody's done it before. But the nice thing is, is nobody's because nobody's done it before. Nobody's there to tell you this is how you need to do it. And so that's kind of the fun piece of it. But um, no, I wouldn't say that I was um, like just born to figure it out. But um, I, I can remember that first role where it was very ambiguous as a marketing role. Um, I was in Dow Solar. Um, and we, we had developed the solar shingles. So I came from the technical side. I was now on the commercial side and I was trying to go figure out what that market was like. And I didn't have somebody to come and tell me, this is how you do marketing. And I just had to kind of figure it out on my own. And at first it was uncomfortable, but quickly, like I would say like, that was that first week where I was like, oh my gosh, should I tell somebody I don't know what I'm supposed to do? Or should I just go lean in and figure it out? And once you lean in, you quickly fall in love with it, like I said. Awesome. I appreciate that. Amelia, do you have any thoughts to share? Um, I love everything you're saying, Michelle. And a key takeaway that I feel like I've really learned in the last year or two years with all the supply chain disruptions that we've all been facing is like in the face of adversity or uncertainty, I just start taking action now. And I know that the worst case scenario is that, you know, maybe you fail or you have to pivot or it doesn't work the first time. Um, but taking action at least made me feel a little bit more in control of the situation versus just 
sitting there analyzing, trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do, having continuous discussion. So I really love this uh, thought process that you have of um, just trying to jump in head first. Great, thanks Amelia. So this next question, Michelle touches a little bit on some of your more recent roles and experiences, more in um, your, your higher level, level leadership positions. So can you talk about some challenges that you've had to overcome in these leadership positions? Um, what would you say is the biggest fallacy of leadership or your perception of leadership now that you're sitting in, in these leadership positions? And then we'll jump to the second half of the question after we talk through some of this. Okay, I'm going to start with the biggest fallacy of leadership. So somebody once told me it's lonely at the top, right? Like, be careful. Are you sure you want to go up there? And I completely disagree. I think if you lift others up, if you build your team, um, if you build a strong culture and you truly lead, it's anything but lonely at the top. You're surrounded by great people. You surround yourself with great people. You don't need to be the smartest person in the room, right? And so this to me is the, the biggest fallacy I would say for leadership is that it's lonely at the top, is that if you're truly leading, if you're being a leader, you're gonna be surrounded by great people. And this is really an opportunity for you to develop relationships and you know lift others up and develop other people. So that to me is the biggest fallacy of leadership. Um, <clears throat> in terms of challenges, truly time, and, and this probably comes as no surprise to anyone, but you know, trying to maintain good work-life balance, I can be, um, I guess, classified sometimes as a bit of a workaholic. And I think it's challenging because you want to be a leader and you want to be a good example. So you can't tell people take vacation and then not take vacation. You can't tell people to have a realistic, you know, hours and then you you know, not set a good example. So to me, this is one that I've really tried hard on in terms of trying to drive best practices, um, setting boundaries and understanding what is important to me. You know, my family is the most important thing. I've got three kids and, you know, if, if they need me, I need to be there. And I realize that's my number one job, job is being a mother. Right. And so I need to make sure that my boundaries that I set um, are there so that I'm there for my uh, three kiddos. So um, as a leader to me, th that to me is probably the biggest challenge is, you know, maintaining a strong work-life balance, make sure you're setting a great example for your team, and then you're encouraging your team and you're setting up a culture that enables people to take vacation. Don't tell people to take vacation and then don't set up a culture and then not have a culture that enables people to go disconnect and enjoy their vacation, right? Don't go mm -hmm. take a vacation and then work through the entire vacation. So those are some of the things to me that are some of the challenges as you get into those higher level roles is to make sure, hey, people are watching you. Um, you need to make sure you're setting a good example. Absolutely. You're preaching to, I'm like all ears with you. And I think about, you know, some, some team management experiences that I've had and we've all done it. We've all said, I'm going on vacation, but you know, you know how to reach me or whatever that looks like. Right. Um, I would say, especially during COVID, we've kind of ebbed and flowed a little of, okay, COVID has given us all of this flexibility, but where we struggle, I, my perception is, is that we still struggle in that since we are at times working where we live and living where we work, We've lost that ability to physically close our computers, drive home, whatever that might be that's helped us to really step away. Um, so in my opinion, it's almost more of an effort now than ever for us to actually be super visible with our teams about 
taking that time away and really disconnecting when we say that we will. So, you know, one thing I would add to that too, is, you know, when you work from home, um, like you said, it, it starts to blur and it becomes difficult, um, to be able to disconnect. But if you, if you don't find that time to disconnect, um, you will quickly, burn yourself at both candles. And so how do you make sure you're not burning yourself at both candles? Um, what boundaries can you set in place to make sure that you're able to do that? And then I think the most important thing is to realize it's not a one size fits all. So mm-hmm. what works for one person may not work for another person and be careful as a leader to set rules in place that might actually create more stress for some people. So I've heard people to say, you know, like no emails on Friday. Well, that might be a day that some people get their emails done. Mm -hmm. And so by you saying no emails on Friday, you've just created more stress for certain people in the organization. Or if you say, okay, on Fridays, no meetings. Well, if you don't want to send meetings, that's fine. Right. But don't put in place something that maybe isn't, that may create more stress for other people in the organization. So just kind of being conscious of what you put in place. That's a really good point. I like went on one vacation this year that was a week long and I would take the time. I'm like an early riser. I take the time, have some coffee. And every couple of days I would check my email for the sake of my own sanity and my ability to enjoy my time for the rest of the day. Right. And some people won't look at it the entire vacation, but like you said, it's super interesting. And I appreciate that so much to be aware that people kind of tackle that differently. And it's important as a leader to be aware of that too. Amelia, any thoughts? I'm just wondering, maybe Michelle, how you, do you have any tangible examples you can share with us of how you've built culture um, that encourages people to protect their um, home life boundaries? Like you said, you know, it's different for everybody. So for some people, I'm one of these people. At the end of the working hours, when the emails stop flowing in, that's when I get a lot of my emails out because I find that that's the time there's nobody in the office. I can kind of relax, but I know that also stresses other people out sometimes because they get home and they have eight emails from me. Um, so how do you set up that type of culture? What have you put in place for that? So again, different things for different folks. Right. But, um, and I can like, as you're talking, I think of all these different examples. Right. But, uh, first is, set, I I encourage people to set their own boundaries. So if somebody says, Hey, I really want to make sure I pick my kid up from the bus. Okay. So what time do you need to be home to pick your kid up from the bus? And, you know, maybe you need to leave at two 30 or three o'clock and then you need to, and then you decide you're going to get back on later and you're going to start working. So we have what we call DYD, DYD endowed design your day. And Mm -hmm. the idea of design your day is to work with your boss to figure out what does it take for you to do your job? Um, once you figure out what it takes, then you work with your, your supervisor, right? And you come up with the schedule. Uh, so some other things you might say, Hey, I want to make sure I maintain my health. Right. And so for me, I want to work out every day. And so is there a certain time in the day that you're going to carve out to go work out and you're, you know, sometimes you might have to be a little bit flexible. And so if that was eight to nine or seven to eight, and you have a meeting, maybe then you're going to get out of work early and you're going to go work out during that time that, you had previously carved out, but setting boundaries, I think is really important. That would probably be the biggest tip that I would give people. And even pre COVID when everybody came into the office, eight to five, even then, I think it's really important to set boundaries and you hear people say, well, 
you know, you have three kids. So I think people know that you need to leave and get home to take care of the kids. But what about people that don't have kids? I think if you, regardless if you have kids or you don't have kids, you have somebody elderly you're taking care of, it doesn't really matter. You, you're a human, right? You need boundaries. And so you need also time for yourself. So regardless of your situation, you need to make sure you're setting what those boundaries are, which starts with understanding what's important to you and understanding your core values and then building your boundaries around those. Because if if you don't have boundaries and you, you're, oh, I can live with it, I'm okay, eventually you start burning yourself out and then you start to have regrets and then you're not having fun right and when you're not having fun you can't deliver and Mm -hmm. so to me it all starts with understand what are your core values what are your priorities set your boundaries right um and then things kind of build off that from there right in terms of you start enjoying your work you don't have any regrets and life is good (laughs) I think that's great you mentioned design your day 3m just has their own little spiel and it's called work your way, which is very similar. Yeah. Sounds very, very the same, even as you say it. Um, so there's the, there's the other side of this, this question, which was originally, you know, what's the biggest challenge that you faced or the biggest challenge that you've learned and, and taken away in these leadership positions, Michelle, on the other hand of that, what has been the most pleasant surprise that you've experienced or you weren't expecting in your leadership journey so far? Yeah. It- Um, to me, it is the number of relationships I've developed over the many years. And these relationships have become friendships to me. Like it's, it's interesting when somebody, they always say like at your funeral, who's going to show up. But when I have a loved one that passes away and who shows up, um, either, you know, text or call or email, you'd be surprised how many friends and colleagues are there along the way and little things like that, or you have a struggle. Um, I would say some of my best friends are my Dow colleagues, right? And um, you spend enough time in the office that it's important that the people that you work around are your friends. And I would say it even goes beyond Dow colleagues and it starts to work with your customers or your suppliers. I mean, you spend a lot of time with them. So it's nice that the people that you work around, you actually start to build these relationships and friendships along the way. So, and you maintain those over the years. To me, that's been kind of the pleasant surprise, if you will, through the leadership position. I think that's great. I mean, you spend so much time with them that you hope that you enjoy being in their presence and you want to work together, right? So I work in a, a at the purchasing space and we work with business clients and suppliers and we want to really have strong relationships for the good times in our relationship and the bad to get us through it all and, and to make them long lasting, right? And I think that goes beyond the customers to colleagues, um, folks that you've worked with in other functions, things like that. That's awesome. So Michelle, let's talk a little bit about um, your your 23 plus years with Dow. Um, Diversity, equity, and inclusion has become a major priority on the corporate uh, responsibility front that has not always been as visible as it is today and continues to be. Um, Did you ever feel at any point in your career like the chemical industry was male dominated? And what changes have you seen in the industry in your career so far? So I'm not oblivious that it is male dominated, but I will tell you, I never saw it as a barrier. I saw it more as an opportunity. So growing up, um, I have a very strong case of dyslexia and, um, that it was a challenge. Things were challenging to me, you know, as I, um, 
tried to figure out how I was going to overcome this learning disability. Um, but it made me who I am and it, it helped me to understand by being unique, by being different, you have the opportunity to, you know, think differently. You have the opportunity to, um, you know, look at problems differently. And so to me, that's what's cool about diversity, inclusion, equity, is that you are different, right? And not to hide your differences, but to embrace your differences, because that's what we need. That's what we want. You know, if you look at your customer base, if you look at our consumers, it's diverse. So you need a diverse workforce. You need that diversity. Um, so I've never seen it as a barrier. I've seen it more as an opportunity. So yes, it's there. I do think we're getting better in terms of, you know, continuing to attract um different genders, right, to our industry. Um, I do see that we're trying to do things differently. I can tell you early on in my career, um, I did run into um, bias, if you will, in terms of people thinking that, you know, a woman uh, could not do the job, or I don't understand how you're going to be able to do this job. Don't you have three kids? How are you going to, how are you going to travel? How are you going to get to the customer? Questions like that. Yes, I've received those questions. Um, I've received the male shirt, right? Like they go to hand out different shirts and they're like, and here's your shirt. And you go to look and you're like, I'm going to swim in this thing. And this is definitely not a female cut, right? Mm -hmm. um, so like convincing them in terms of, you know, let's make sure we think about women when we plan events. Um, you know, not everybody golfs, right? And golf can tend to be more of a male dominated sport. So even when you're thinking about different venues that you're having or customer events is making sure that you're thinking about, you know, both genders and offering different um, uh, activities for people to do that attract both genders, um, I think is important. These are some of the changes that I'm seeing in the industry and, and it's happening. Um, so those, those are the things that I think are exciting. Again, that you embrace diversity and you give it as an opportunity to really shine and stand out. If, if you think about like a picture in your head and you think um, like, I don't know, um, a bunch of black dots and all of a sudden there's a red dot, the red dot stands out. And so if you think about a room and there's a bunch of male in the room and there's just a couple of female, the female are gonna stand out. And so somebody once gave me this advice, which I thought was good is if you're gonna stand out, you might as well be bright, right? Like a bright, shiny star. And so I think that's the opportunity we have as female. Cause I think there are still less of us in this industry um, is you tend to stand out. So take advantage of the opportunity to really shine bright and, and stand out. Mm -hmm. That's great. Amelia, do you have any comments there? I, I don't want to take that and turn it because I, I take that as it is, Michelle. So I appreciate that. Yeah, Michelle, I love your, your comment about, you know, thinking about both genders when you plan activities and plan events. I can't tell you how many trucker hats or male t-shirts that I've gotten at industry events over the years. And Kylie actually used to be one of my customers. And when we would meet, we would both talk about how we like don't golf and like roll our eyes about it. Um, and I always thought like, oh, it would be so great if we could just like go get pedicures. But I knew that there was no way that my male boss would sign off on that on my expense report. But it, had it been beers at the golf course, it would have been no problem. Um, so yeah, I think that's totally true. And I hope to see that change as we see more women enter the industry. So I love the pedicure idea. And I can tell you, we've had that conversation inside Dow multiple times um, recently where we're trying to figure out, okay, what can it, 
what can we do? And so we've talked about like horseback riding. So I know there's an event coming up that we're doing and we're going to try to do some more horseback riding and just again, bringing different thoughts, but I don't think a pedicure is too far out of the question. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Maybe we can just uh, crowdsource here. So folks listening in, if you've got ideas about events that might be more um, diverse than what we've experienced in the past, I'm all yours. Uh, And maybe it can be a women in chemicals event. So Michelle, the next question we have for you is associated with the role that mentors have played in your career. So uh, can you tell us about any, you know, key mentorship experiences, what your take on mentorship is, um, and how that's looked for you throughout your career? Sure. So simple answer here is um, the female leaders through my, my career have really given me support to, and the confidence for me to really embrace being myself. Um, early on in my career, there was this uh, female leader who's now uh, one of our business presidents. And I love that um, she didn't come to work in the black suit, in the white blouse, right? And that she really embraced color. Um, She embraced style. uh, And it was just one of those like things that you see when you see a leader. And I can remember her coming into the office and of all, this is again, pre-COVID, would we learn to be like, what is she wearing? Oh my goodness. Right. <laughs> and we'd be so excited. Um, but th- you'd, you'd be surprised when you, and it doesn't just have to be when you're, you know, a business president, when you sit in a leadership role, people look up to you. And I think it's really important that you embrace that and that you, you really are yourself and that you're leaning in to be yourself. And to me, that's really what some of the female leaders along the way have um, encouraged me to do is um, know your core values, know, know what you stand for and support you and give you the confidence to continue to be yourself. That, that's really, that's it. I think that is, it's simply put, but like you said, to think about that, Michelle, and actually make sure that you're holding what's true to you and how you represent yourself in some of these situations where it's so easy to kind of conform to what the rest of the group is doing or what they've traditionally done and, and what like what's all that you know. I think for me, I love the idea of doing that, but what I need to make sure that I'm doing is my job correctly, contributing value correctly while also being true to myself at the same time. Right. So I think it's, it's a learning curve for me, but I appreciate so much knowing that there are folks in leadership positions like yourself that are providing me with visibility and that you can do you and you can do your job, which is part of who you are so well. Amelia, any additions that just resonates with me so deeply michelle um because i remember i've only i worked in distribution which um i think is a little bit more male dominated than manufacturing just because it tends to be sometimes smaller companies except for the big big distributors globally um and i've never had a woman in the c-suite for any organization i worked for i've barely had women on my teams or in other decision-making roles um, along the way working at four companies. But at the last company I worked at, I did have um, a female leader that I knew. And watching how she conducted herself in meetings, I always thought, based on the leadership that I'd seen, that I had to be this really strong, aggressive personality. And um, she really showed me that I could be 
soft and funny and silly and goofy and be who I was. I didn't have to be this really strong, aggressive personality because that's what was shown to me. Um, and it really changed the way that I approached customers, suppliers, colleagues, uh, moving forward, just seeing her really being herself and doing her job. So love to hear that. Yeah. And it's, it's, I love hearing this because there was a point in my career that, and this wasn't too long ago. It was definitely less than um, seven years ago, I'll say. Right. And I was told, Hey, in order to do this job, you need to be aggressive, right? You need to make sure, you know, I don't know if the word mean was used, but definitely like you need to be tougher. You, you need to have a tougher backbone to go do this. And I was like, I can be tough. I can be mean when I need to. Right. Like, um, but to me, it was more about, um, you know, my style was going to be different. And I knew that my style wasn't going to be like everybody else and having confidence not to conform. Right. Like, and to me, that's when you think about like, what is the biggest challenge facing women in the chemical industry today? That is it. Right. Is you, you're getting forced to try to figure out how do you conform? Right. And they want you to conform to be like that. Well, you've got to resist the urge to conform to the norm, right? And break out of those patterns and, you know, trying to do something what's right, like follow your heart, I would say, follow your gut. And if your gut says that's not how it's supposed to be done, then you need to really lean in and, and you know, it's okay to do the job differently. And can you still get good results or better results potentially in terms of how you're gonna manage it? And some of the feedback I got from a variety of different people when I used my style, right, was, you know, it's actually easier to work with you because you want to collaborate. You want to hear what people have to say. And, you know, you, it's, it's more of a collaborative approach. So um, just resist the urge, I would say, to feeling the need to conform um, to the norm, try to break patterns, break that status quo, um, find new ways. That's what we need, right? Is we need to continue to find ways of how do we do things better, not the same. Um, and so if we continue to just do it the same way it's always been done, we're going to get the same results and we're, we're trying to look for something different. So bring that diversity. Mm -hmm. We want it and we need Well, you already answered the next question here, but I just want to give you the opportunity, Michelle, to add any additional comments. So on this, this question for those listening in, it's, you know, what do you believe is the biggest challenge facing women in the chemical industry today? And so what I'm hearing, Michelle, is this lack of embracing truly who we are um, and and having I would say in 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 return we want to kind of push up against those norms and change them or question them or not conform and be our, our true selves while we add value to the workplace while while doing all of that right that's exactly it and I would say you know think about it when you get a role and you won't sometimes you won't even realize that somebody's asking you to conform but it's been times where you know up front I would say hey I get offered a role and I kind of let them know up front that hey listen my style's a little bit different are you sure no that's why we want you for the role we need that we're looking for that and then all of a sudden you get that conversation where they're like hey I need you to do x y and z and they're really asking you to conform. And that's when you need to push back and say, yeah, but that's not my style. That's mm -hmm. not my approach. You know, you have to trust that my approach is the right way. And then you can put it back on them and say, listen, if it's not going to work, it's okay. I understand. Maybe we need to put somebody else in the role at this time, right? Then yeah. maybe it's not going to work. And so 
embrace and be confident with where you're at, but lean in and, and just be yourself. Like I think about it, if you get to the, you get to the role that you've dreamed of always having, and then you get there and you look around and you're like, wait a second, I've changed everything about me. Are you really going to be happy? Uh-huh. Right. So you, that's why it's really important to continue to be yourself. Right. I always say if, um, if I'm, if I love everything I do, then there's no reason I will ever want to retire because you love right. your job. But if you're forced to try to do it in a way that isn't you, if you're forced to try to conform to something that's, um, you don't embrace or isn't true to your core values, all of a sudden you're, you're going to start to have regrets. Right. And you're uh-huh. not really going to be able to perform at your highest level. So if you want to perform at your highest level, be yourself, be you. Mm-hmm. I am so like, I need to soak in for a second. The comment that you just made about, you know, Hey, if this position isn't for my style, maybe this is a position better suited for someone else. And for you to have the confidence to share that with not only our community, but to speak that for yourself, because you know, that in the long run, that's what's best for you to maintain your integrity and your style. That's, that is probably my key takeaway today. Um, so thank you for sharing that. I think I've never heard that, you know, be outspoken so much like that. And that's what we need. Like you said, we need people to speak out like that. So, um, Michelle, we've kind of, we've, we've touched most of the questions here. So as we come to more, um, the conclusion of our interview this afternoon, I want to open it up one more time for you to share any, um, additional advice. Um, experiences that you find valuable to our community. Um, And we also open it up for any podcast, books, mantras, recommendations that you have for our community from all fronts. So I'll open that up to you now. Sure. So that's quite the loaded question, right? (laughs) Um, But I guess the one thing I would like to leave people with is if you think about it, dream big. If you don't dream how can dreams ever come true, right? So start dreaming about what is it you really want? What excites you? What makes you happy? You know, think about what you're doing in your current role. Um, You know, what are the things you enjoy? What are the things you don't enjoy? Um, And then along the way, it's important that, you know, there's, uh, my favorite is be bold, be brave, and be courageous. It's not always easy to do that. And when you're struggling, you know, it's important to pause, reflect on what your core values are. And are you staying true to yourself? Um, be yourself along the way. Don't try to be somebody you're not. Um, and then just have no regrets. Right? When I look back at my career and I look at all the opportunities that I've been given, I, I don't have a lot of regrets. Right. Um, and I can't think of you know, people is like, would you want a do over? I'm like, no, because there's not many things I would change. And I will say there are points in my career that um, I took jobs that I didn't really think I wanted. Um, and I trusted my leadership because my leadership were like, hey, I think you should go do this job. And I was like, uh, I'm not sure this is the right job, but okay, let's go try it. Right. And I was pleasantly surprised in terms of what I gained and learned from some of those experiences. So I do think it's important as you, you know, seek mentors and you look for mentors that you trust them. Don't just go through the motions and, and find a mentor, but find a mentor that you're going to trust. Find a mentor that you can, you know, be very transparent with. Transparency is a gift, right? It's really important that you can be transparent and be ready to receive that constructive feedback. Somebody just telling you, oh, you're doing a good job or that was good. That's not good feedback, right? Like, Because you can't do anything with that. 
But if they tell you some constructive feedback on what you could do differently, how can you grow? What are some of the skill set gaps you have? Now that's something you can really do something with, right? And that's going to help you to get to that next level. So those would be some of my um, parting tips, I guess I would say, with uh, the team. And then um, in terms of a couple books, um, two of my favorites are What Got You Here Won't Get You There. There was a point in my career that I was like, okay, I want to go do this. And I sat down with one of the leaders and she helped me in terms of, um, you know, these, these are all great things in terms of what you've been able to accomplish. But if you want to get to this next level, you know, these, these skill sets, these, everything you've developed here are not going to get you there. So, you know, really that book helps you in terms of figuring out when you're ready to make that shift, you know, what is it that you need to go do and change and helping you to kind of set your brand and, and figure out what you're going to, what you need uh, to grow. And then the other one is good to great. Right. And at some point in my career, I will tell you, I told somebody, I don't want to be great. I just want to be good. Good is good enough. Right. And so at some point in your career, you may get pushed a little bit too hard. And I think it's important for you to, again, do that self-reflection in terms of what are you looking for? Um, what do you want out of your job? Uh, what do you, what do you aspire to do? So I'll, I'll leave it with that and uh, open it if there's anything else. Perfect. Thanks so much, Michelle. I'm going to hand it to Amelia for closing comments and then direction as to how to tackle questions. Thank you so much for joining us today, Michelle. Really appreciate it.